Hi guys, welcome back to What's the Hazard. This is Doug Fletcher. Hope you're having a good week. I'm actually having a good week this week. Um, as safety professionals, we occasionally have bad weeks. Um, not all of them are good, but this has been a pretty good week. Um, one of our colleagues and good friends was hospitalized with COVID. Uh, I think I mentioned that last week. He's home now and he's recovering, and so I think we're very grateful for that. And so uh, for all of you that uh, sent out you know, positive waves or prayers or whatever, um, we appreciate that. I know he does as well, so hopefully we'll be in touch with him soon. Uh, so that's a good thing. I also con- reconnected with some of my old colleagues uh, from OSHA. You know, I've been separated from OSHA now for almost seven years. And uh, one of the best things about OSHA was the camaraderie and my colleagues and those folks. And so I've reconnected with a few former OSHA colleagues on LinkedIn. I don't know if you do LinkedIn, but um, it's the only social media that I do. Uh, and I only do it because I feel like I have to. But um, it actually has been a, it's been a good uh, vehicle for reconnecting with some of those folks that are kind of in the safety world that I've lost touch with. So so that was good. Uh, Kim and Gordon and some other folks that I used to work with closely have had an opportunity to reconnect with. Um, number three on my list of good things this week, uh, I've got a new sponsor. So for the podcast, CCS Group. Um, Custom Concrete Specialists out of Seward, Nebraska, the CCS group, Cheyenne, Josh, and, and their entire team, they are uh, they are really committed to safety. Uh, they did a podcast episode a few weeks ago where they talked about a fatality on one of their projects uh, a few years ago that really changed their attitude and approach to safety. Um, Cheyenne, the owner, and his entire theory are definitely committed to safety. Um, as a safety professional myself, I really appreciate working with companies that are committed to safety, um, and they and they are such a company. And so, uh, they're interested in just promoting workplace safety and the message. And so, they've agreed to help sponsor the podcast, and I sincerely appreciate that. So, thank you, Cheyenne. Um, I would say. Um, if you are in the grain world, if you're in the grain industry, these guys uh, do maintenance, refurbish old concrete grain elevators. They're concrete specialists. And man, I mean, around Nebraska, obviously, we have hundreds and hundreds of old concrete elevators. They're beautiful structures. I love seeing them. I've been in hundreds of them, if not you know more, uh, over the years as a safety inspector. And they do some remarkable work bringing these old concrete structures back to life with these new technologies. Um, It's really fascinating. So uh, check out their website, um, ccsgrouponline.com, I believe is their website. And if you are on LinkedIn, Josh Lose, their safety manager, posts a lot of information to LinkedIn, uh, a lot of video and pictures and things of some of their projects, which are also really fascinating. So check out CCS Group. Uh, And thanks again, uh, Cheyenne, for helping out. And then the highlight of my week, it's Friday here in Omaha. It's Friday, June 19th. The highlight of my week is my guest. I have a special guest today. Uh, She's sitting six feet apart. Uh, We're we're at least six feet apart, honey. I'm talking to my wife now. (laughs) (laughs) Not not you. I'm sorry, Jack. Let's make that clear. Uh, My wife was like, now you be very careful to be, you know, very uh, conscientious about social distancing and stuff. So we are sitting at least six feet apart. Um, I'm going to call you Mrs. Palachek to start because I feel like I should in deference to your position and your authority. You are a a school teacher. You are a teacher and educator 
uh, a leader, the reason I asked you to be here today was because you are in my family. You are um, you are renowned in my family. <laughs> you know, you, you've taught both of my boys. I have two sons. You've taught both of my sons. You work with my wife, and they all. You know, they all identify you as one of their, if not favorite teachers, the best teacher they've ever had. And so, and I think that um, obviously that's certainly a tribute to you and what you do, but I'm really interested in hearing more about how you have become so many people's favorite teacher. And I think it boils down to leadership in many respects. I think, you know, what you do in the classroom really parallels what we do in the workplace. Uh, leadership is leadership is leadership in any form that it takes or any any environment where we find it. And so I'm interested to hear about how you do that in in a school setting, in an academic setting. And so now, is it all right if I call you Jackie? You sure can. Yes. <laughs> okay. yes. I, I, like I said, I feel like I'm at parent-teacher conferences. I should call you Mrs. Blachek, but... Jackie, please. It's Jackie. All right. And since you're about the age of my... You could be my daughter, probably. I'm, I'm right. going to call you no. Jackie. Mm-hmm. Um, thank you for being here, Jackie. I'm, I was really excited. I'm almost nervous to have you here, and I'm normally not nervous with my guests, but um, this is a big day, and I know my wife is going to actually, this will be the first episode my wife listens to. <laughs> you know, uh, After 32 episodes, my wife hasn't listened to any of them, but I'm sure that she'll be listening to this one, so uh, I'm, I'm cautious not to mess this up. So, um, Pat, you've got my language if I do anything wrong, right? I got you. Okay, man, thank you. Uh, so, Jackie, thank you very much for being here. And as I said, I'm not trying to minimize any of the other teachers my boys have had. They've they've had some t- incredible teachers. I mean, in elementary school, secondary school, high school, even in college, they've had some great teachers, I'm sure. But when we talk about um, favorites and best, you all, your name always comes up in the conversation. So uh, somehow you, you have developed into this uh, incredible leader in the classroom and so I just want to hear about how you do that. I mean, I think that our business leaders and our and our um, industry leaders can learn, hopefully, something from from how you're doing that. And and you're getting these people, these young people, at, at the very beginning. So what you're modeling is critical to going forward. What they're going to, be, if they become leaders, it's going to be in large part because of what they have seen from you. So, mm-hmm. um, so. I'm going to shut up now and I'm going to let you talk, which is. Thanks. Thanks so much for having me, Doug. First of all, I don't know if I could be your daughter because I'm starting my 32nd year (laughs) of teaching right here. Is that true? Yeah. Yeah. This is my. That can't be possible. It is. This is going to be my 32nd year of teaching and it just, it does. It goes by, goes by pretty quickly, but. Yeah, no doubt. um, I think I have a passion for relationships Mm -hmm. and building relationships and maintaining those relationships. And I think that's one of the, the huge things that helps me to create those Mm -hmm. students in my classrooms who aren't afraid to take risks, who realize that they're valued and who might even take that step into, gosh, she believes in me. I believe in myself. So maybe I can take this risk and be this leader in this, whatever, whatever area it is that I have a passion about. So that's what I try to create in my classroom. And it's, it's, a systematic thing that I do. It's not just, it doesn't happen on day one when I meet those kiddos. Absolutely. And that's what I'm curious about. And so did you, have you always, did you always want to be a teacher? I mean, did you no, know you were going to be no, a teacher? No, I went into college and I was going to be a hospital administrator. Okay. Yep. 
Absolutely. I never, teaching wasn't even on my radar when I went into college. Right. So um, it wasn't until sophomore year in college that I decided maybe this is a calling that I need to move after, you know? Interesting. And, yeah. And so, and, and man, you said so much in that very first introduction uh, about relationships. And, and, and I've been saying that safety, what we do, what I do professionally, safety is all about relationships. There, you know, there are certainly technical elements to it. But it's really about developing a trusting relationship with the people that you work with. And so that's that's what you're saying as well. Right. I mean, you are building relationships with these young people, these I'm going to call them kids or children. I know you guys call them kiddos in the yeah, schools. That's me. Yeah. You call them kiddos. But but how do you I mean, that's so critical to their trusting you. I mean, and the, as you said, their willingness to take risks. That is incredible. One of the first things that that I learned a long time ago was the power of saying someone's name and being able to recognize that person every single day. So mm-hmm. one of my absolute givens that I do in the classroom every day is when that first bell rings, I'm out at my door and I greet every student and not just my students, but any student that's walking down the hall. And as many as possible, I try to greet them with their first name. I give them a good morning, Henry. Good morning, Jasmine. Um, And even if you can take it one step further and ask them one question, Um, because I've learned, uh, I read research a long time ago that says if just three people in a building Three people who that child respects know their name and recognize them with their name, their confidence level goes, it skyrockets. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that I do is try to recognize them with their name every morning. And I think that would work not just in a school setting, but any setting. Any setting, absolutely. You know know how good you feel when someone who you respect greets you with your name, you're like, Dang, they know me. Absolutely. This is important, you know. Absolutely. They they believe in my worth. And mm-hmm. that's one of the easiest things that I do to let kids know I believe in your worth because I know you and yeah, I know the time your name. To know who you yeah. are and something about you. Yeah. So if you're if you're asking them a question or saying something to them, it's obviously based on your relationship with them, you know something Absolutely. about Absolutely. It could be, how was that soccer game last night? Or did your dog chew up any other socks last night? You know, right. just knowing that one thing about them and having that little talking point with them is so important. Mm-hmm. So did, did you learn this? I mean, I, you strike me as someone who was probably born with this tremendous charisma and these skills. Uh, but I think that some of this leadership uh, ability can be acquired through Absolutely. exposure. And right. so have, I mean, is this something that you have developed over the years? Well, I think some of your skills obviously come naturally. Um, for me, recognizing faces and names is something that has always come naturally mm-hmm. to me. But that idea of using names was something that I acquired, something mm-hmm. that I read that teachers are able to do and everything. And it's just picking up those little hints. Um, one of the other things I read is, is using a statement called, I noticed. And whenever you see a child saying, I noticed, and then what is it that you noticed about mm-hmm. them? And again, that's giving them, building up those points of, wow, she noticed that I did something good. I'm going to do that again. I'm going to repeat that factor. Whenever you're giving them that, I noticed you did this skill well, that just builds their self-esteem mm-hmm. of what you need. Absolutely. So so again, little things like that that you learn and pick up can really help build those relationships with kiddos. That's, and, and, and that's obviously, that would extend into the workplace as well. I mean, I, you, you mentioned the feeling that you get when someone knows your name. And, and I've told the story many times when I was working for the Department of Defense. You know, I was an entry-level industrial hygienist. I was, you know, just nobody really. And I did some work for one of my clients was, 
uh, DFAS, the Defense Finance and Accounting Service. It's a huge, you know, it's kind of the uh, the payment uh, group for the Department of Defense. And I did some work on some air quality issues in one of their facilities. And their director, the guy, he's probably the highest ranking government person in the entire state of Ohio. Um, I had to report to him and give him my findings. And he, and he um, learned my name. And then every time I would see him in the facility of 10,000 people, he would call me by name. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was unbelievable. And, you know, he had no reason to know my name. I, you know, I didn't. I was, but it sure made you feel good about yourself you, and made you feel good about your skills. And yeah, and I still remember it. That was, you know, 30 yeah. years ago. Well, it's, believe me, when our superintendent walks into my classroom and he says my name, boy, mm-hmm. that gives me that boost that I need to go. He values me and my work that I'm doing here. Are we yeah. talking about Jim? Seth? We're talking about Jim. And he, <laughs> you know, Jim, Jim epitomizes a true leader of building relationships because that's something that he does. He believes mm-hmm. it and he listens, you know, and he knows what's important to you. So wow. yeah, modeling a lot of what I do could be taken after what he does as right. a superintendent too. And so when you, when you start the year, you have your new, uh, you have your list of students for mm-hmm. that year. So are you starting then? I mean, are you yeah. learning names then yes. before you even have a face? Or do you I, guys get a I've get been faces? known to scour the old yearbooks or even go on to our, you know, database online and make mm-hmm. sure I start connecting that picture with a name because okay. open house is usually the first time we get to see those faces come into right. our classroom. And there's so much power. And when they walk in and you say, oh my gosh, Michael, it's you. I've been waiting for you. And and you watch his face go, wow, she knows me, you know? And then I always immediately ask them, I said, Michael, will you introduce mm-hmm. me to the people that you have here with you? And mm-hmm. giving him that leadership and that power to know you are the important wow. one in this yeah. classroom. And that's just something I've done, again, for 32 years, mm-hmm. giving that power to the student and, and helping them feel like what I do here is important right. and she values that. And that's the first meeting that I have with right. the kids. So this is intentional, something that very you, intentional. you start yes. in the very beginning. And yeah. you, that's really impressive. And again, as we draw parallels to the workplace, I think any leader, any, well, managers who want to be good leaders should appreciate how, how important that is. And to take an actual interest, a sincere interest in, in these individuals, mm-hmm. um, that's, that's pretty uncommon, frankly. I go to a lot of workplaces where, you know, I interact with managers or executives even that don't, that don't know their employees. And, you know, granted, they might be responsible for thousands of people in some work environments, but I mean, that shouldn't stop you from trying to identify Absolutely. with them and know who they are. And it's just simple things like that that you can do that really and I keep using that word, empower your learner, empower your employee, whatever you want to talk about, but helping them to feel their worth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. And so, you know, as a parent of, you know, students, boys that were our st- students, continue to be students, you know, it was always impressive to me or interesting to me that, you know, there, there is a point where they want to please you as a parent or you as a teacher, I'm sure somehow through that relationship, they, they want to please you. Mm-hmm. And that is incredibly powerful too. Mm-hmm. If you can get to that point where they respect you and trust you perhaps. And that's all I think comes with, in an education system, we call it building a community of learners. Mm-hmm. You know, we in our classroom try to almost 
enact like we're a school family and we care about each other and we boost each other up. Mm -hmm. So that's another thing that we cultivate very carefully those first few weeks of school to help students realize that we're in this together. And, and by doing that, it helps them to realize I can take risks and I can make mistakes here Mm -hmm. and I know I'll still be valued because I'll be learning. And that's, I always tell people, Sometimes it takes the first six weeks of school, sometimes 12 weeks. But as soon as you get your kiddos there and you have that sense of community, Mm -hmm. the rest you can just sail with Mm -hmm. them. Because, And it's not so much they want to perform for me. They want to perform for each other because Mm -hmm. we build each other up, hopefully. You know, that's something that I I try to think that we all are giving each other those positive strokes we need to. So that's something. And And I think that risk-taking is huge in there because you'll have those kiddos who only want to do things perfectly, but you know, from then and that there no growth will ever take place Mm -hmm. if you're not taking Mm -hmm. that risk out of your comfort zone. Mm -hmm. And I don't want kiddos to just maintain. I want them to soar. Right. Uh, And so how do you, I mean, so how do you instill that, that um, willingness to take risk? I mean, is it, as you're, you're talking about this community, um, and is it so is it just positive reinforcement then to some degree or but i think just, some part of it is they have to get to know me too mm-hmm. and i have to be vulnerable okay i can't be this almighty person in front of them this infallible right so they they wow. see me mis- make mistakes mm-hmm. and i acknowledge those my mistakes and it's usually an oh jackie what have you done now and they laugh with me and and then i model for them and talk to them my thinking process when I made a mistake, okay. whether it be a mistake that, oh, I need to learn right. from it or right. a mistake that, oh, I need to apologize because of that. Sure. Um, acknowledging that I'm just a person just like them that's learning and growing. Wow, that is incredibly powerful. And I think, that, you know, that vulnerability, there are a lot of managers who are afraid to be vulnerable mm-hmm. in front of their employees. You know, that sign of weakness, perhaps they don't want to reveal that necessarily mm-hmm. But as you said, I but mean, think this about is what's the trust gonna, that comes yeah, with that. Absolutely. And, and by building that trusting relationship, that's when you get them to, to that's a, that's buy into what issue. you want them to do. Right. I worked for a guy and I, this is not intended to be I don't want to be negative, but I worked for a guy at one time while I was with OSHA who who was not interested in that. Well, for one thing, he wasn't interested in relationships with him, with his employees to begin with. And so it was always kind of a struggle to. Um, work for him, you know, when he would, when he would ramp things up and he would demand more from us and the pressure was on and he wanted more, there was, there was a, a reluctance to give more because it wasn't, it didn't seem appreciated. Right. And it was because in large part that he was not interested in relationships with his employees. And I suppose there will be people like that. And maybe there are good leaders like that, but in I'm like you, I think that the relationship is the most important factor in that trust and that willingness to take mm-hmm. risks and that mm-hmm. willingness to grow as, and as you said, that willingness to support each other as a community, I think that's really an integral part of it. Yeah. And unfortunately not, and I don't want to say that's the only recipe to being a good leader, but man, it seems obvious to me that that's critical. So, yeah. I mean, are you, do you convey that? I mean, I know you work probably, you're probably a mentor to a number of the young teachers that come mm-hmm. into the building. Mm-hmm. I know you've been a mentor to my wife. I mean, do you try to convey that to them? I mean, are you trying to model for them these types of things as well? Hopefully, hopefully, without coming across as, whoa, I got all the answers because right. Lord knows I don't have all the answers. But I think that's that's part of whatever 
career that you're in is mentoring people who are joining you Mm -hmm. in that field. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, I've been a mentor several times. I feel like, and I think through Twitter and other social media that we can do that exponentially beyond just Mm -hmm. our building too, by other people seeing your words too. I was actually listening to um, a town hall meeting last night Mm -hmm. and it was about the culture of our country right now and how as teachers, we have this huge opportunity to help our students understand what's going on. And one of the things that really hooked into my brain that one of the speakers said was, we have the potential to develop leaders, but children need to know that all leaders don't always have to be the extroverts that are out there talking and leading the pack. There are so many different ways that you can lead. And I think that goes right back into my classroom. You know, I think children need to understand just because you're not the outspoken kiddo who's always answering every question Mm -hmm. and always telling people what to do. That doesn't mean that you can lead. Talking about how you can lead with your words Mm -hmm. as far as on paper and writing or lead with your actions and just Mm -hmm. your integrity, how leading with your kindness, you know, Mm -hmm. people notice that and see that. Without question. Absolutely. so leadership does not always mean that one little thing. And when mm-hmm. she was talking about that last night, I'm like, wow, that's exactly that really what resonates. I believe. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and yeah, I mean, there, there are probably going to be very few students and probably very few coworkers who are those very boisterous, uh, outspoken types of leaders. I think the quiet, you know, the person that leads by example, or at least, you know, demonstrates or models those kind of behaviors that we want. That's almost more powerful, that quiet person Absolutely. that does that. I mean, you know, the loud person, we're all familiar with that person. And that's fine if that's who you are. Um, I can lean that direction on occasion. But it's that quiet person that yeah. is doing the right thing, you know. It's I, funny because I had an experience just this past year in my classroom where um, I had a little kiddo. This girl was doing things, and I noticed that other kids were were trying to do exactly what she was doing. And it was through her writing what mm-hmm. she was doing. And they're like, I want to be able to do that. So they were copying, in a sense, of mm-hmm. some of the things that she did. And I used some of those I noticed statements with her. And I said, Kenley, I noticed that this is what you're doing. Do you realize the power that other people want to do what you're doing? And this is a very shy, quiet little girl. And I did that, I noticed, like two or three times that week because I did notice it. And later that week, an email came from her dad. And he said, what have you done to my daughter? He says, she is beaming about what she's doing in the classroom. I've never seen her mm. so excited wow. about this. And it's like noticing that she had that leadership skill oh, that's really and watching that growth in her throughout the year mm-hmm. and all those kiddos that wanted to be like her. It was amazing because of that. I noticed statement, right. but she became a leader, not through being loud and extroverted, right. but by just the quiet things that she did in the classroom. And then yeah. all of her, their, her, classmates wanted to emulate what she was yeah. doing. Yeah. And That's it's amazing. funny because too, as a teacher, you'd like to steer obviously your class mm-hmm. to be like certain students rather right. than others sometimes sure. behavior wise. So yeah, you really try to notice those and point those out. Well, that, that brings us to that question of, you know, discipline and reward, you know, in the work environment, um, we tend to, I mean, even as an, as an OSHA person, from a very specific safety point of view, OSHA expects employers to discipline undesired behavior. You know, mm-hmm. there needs to be some type of progressive discipline system to ensure that the message, our expectations are being met. And so OSHA wants employers to have some kind of a system for discipline. 
I think they kind of overlook the reward side or the, you know, the recognition side sometimes, and we focus on the negative. But in your world, in your classroom, how do you, how do you juggle discipline and reward? And I mean, obviously yeah. you've talked about reward, the acknowledgement and the mm-hmm. recognition and noticing. Yeah. I mean, discipline so, must be part of it to some degree. It is. And I think, um, my philosophy is, again, building that culture, that that classroom where we all care about each other, setting that up in the beginning. And it, as long as you get kids into that, that takes away at least half of your discipline problems right away okay. because they want to succeed. They want others to succeed around you and they don't want to distract from that. Right. Um, the other wow. thing is by using those I notice or I see um students quickly realize she wants me to be like this and that's the way she's going to notice me. And by continually acknowledging the good things that are happening, Mm -hmm. um, you'll have fewer of those negative things happening. And yes, there's always a time and place where Mm -hmm. you're going to need those consequences for, for something that's not, not appropriate, not right. But I think the other two far Mm -hmm. outweigh. And that's one of the philosophies, not just my classroom, but our school holds Mm -hmm. very dear is acknowledging the good things that students Mm -hmm. and catching them when they're being good, because the more you catch them when they're being good, the more they're going to want to, repeat that Absolutely. behavior. Yeah. I, I've always thought that myself without question. And, and having two sons, I learned early that, you know, the negative, the, the discipline, I mean, my, my sons are men now. I mean, you know, I can't really discipline them at this point. So I think it's, it's even more important perhaps now to just acknowledge the good and recognize the good and continue to reinforce the behavior that you do want. Yep. It's probably a little bit more subtle at this point than it used to be, but nonetheless, it's still critical to make sure that they understand that, you know, what good behavior is, what desired behavior is, even as young men, so that they continue that way. And it, and it um, I think, again, that's another thing that is somewhat overlooked. I don't know that managers are necessarily comfortable with recognizing the good. I think it's easy to discipline somebody. Hey, man, you don't do that again. You're screwing up, whatever. But to as a as grown men and women, sometimes we are almost uncomfortable recognizing or or praising. Yep. You know, other it works adults. for parenting too, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think another statement that I liked that I like to use is just using that word proud. I was proud when I saw you do this. You know, and again, having someone they respect. You can imagine if you had again someone that you mm-hmm. respect, and they said, "I was so proud of the way I saw you doing that." Pride is a huge thing in our world. And telling someone else that they were wow. proud because of you yeah, that's really banks in a lot of things. Right. Yeah, someone told me that a long time ago. Um, it's been a number of years ago, but it was about parenting. And I think the, the, the parallels, and I talk about this as well when I talk about safety in the workplace, you know, managing and leading people is, is parenting people. Mm-hmm. You were almost parenting them in the workplace to mm-hmm. some degree, even though your manager or supervisor might be younger than you, perhaps. I mean, chronological, I mean, it might be, there might be some chronological issues with that. But again, it's, I think the, the, the there's so many similarities between good parenting, good leadership, good man, you know, those kind of things. Absolutely. Imagine a leader in a workplace telling his, his or her workforce, I'm proud of the work mm-hmm. that you're doing. What employee wouldn't love to hear that? Mm. I'm proud of our company. I'm proud right. of what we're doing, what we're putting forth in the world. Right. You want that from your leader. You and want to know that they believe in that goal that you're all trying to achieve. And you're hoping the I, I, you want your employees to be proud of what they're doing. Absolutely. Obviously. I mean, yeah. It may seem 
uh, unexciting or mundane at times, the work that you do, but obviously to do it well, there is, you, you can take pride in doing anything well. Mm-hmm. And so I think that is kind of an overlooked element too. So I should be writing all these things down. <laughs> is there any way we can write all these down <laughs> yeah. after the fact? There you Maybe go. you can there condense you go. them for me. Because I think you're right. All of these things that we're talking about are, you know, that, that young people um, have an opportunity to see those things and understand the power of those things. Maybe they don't necessarily understand the power of them at that point, but they certainly feel the power of them. And uh, as I was mentioning, I, I had a friend tell me one time that, that uh, as a parent, that you should try to, you know, use that word proud mm-hmm. regularly when you're mm-hmm. when you're d- talking with your children about mm-hmm. whatever it might be, you know. And I think that's where I learned it. Big. I had read somewhere, you know, when you're watching your kiddos play sports mm-hmm. and you go, you're coming home from the game and your first instinct is to tell them everything <laughs> that they could have done better. You right. know, don't swing at that pitch. Don't do this. But instead, the first words out of your mouth, whatever game they're playing should have been. I was so proud watching you do what you love. Right. You know, that's the only statement they need to hear. Right. And then, you know, a couple of days later, you could say, hey, remember that time, you know, right. but you yeah. don't have okay. to rehash. And I was guilty of that sometimes. Of I'm a competitive I mean, person. Yeah, but it's very difficult yeah. not to be yeah. at times. But if you can catch yourself and you can remember to use that. So there are certain key words, obviously, that you try to incorporate in your day. Yep. As like you said, I, I noticed that you did this. I was proud that you did that. Those those acknowledgments. Mm-hmm. Again, I think so at the very beginning of the year, how do you establish your expectations? I mean, are is I mean, are you doing that with intent as well that they know Very much so. What your and expectations that, I think are? any any teacher will tell you that's so important that you you have to intentionally let them know these are what we expect and and put them in a positive way and mm-hmm. and you know, you have those rules and procedures and you want to say, this is what I need to do. Like, even if I'm working at my desk, I will be sitting quietly. I will not be bothering others, you know, things Mm -hmm, like that. mm -hmm. You put that with intent out there and you model for them. This is what it looks like. This is what it sounds like. And then like in my classroom, we develop those together and then we all sign it. Like it's a contract. This is what we know are the expectations for our class. And we revisit that constantly during the year, especially as we're having problems with something like we're having problems walking in the hall. What did Mm -hmm. we say we were going to look like and sound like when we're walking in the hall. Let's practice that again. Oh, I hope we don't have to practice during recess time, but you know, things like that. So they know (laughs) you're not just going to put those rules up on the wall and then forget about them the rest of the year. You have to revisit that. And and that's so important. Yeah. But I like the spin that you're, you're putting a spin on it. So it's not as if you were standing up front and dictating, this is how it's going to be. You are, as you said, you were engaging them in discussion of those things to some extent. And you're actually allowing them to contribute to that? Yeah, it's been, so the past few years I started it by, I put them in small groups and I say, okay, so we need some ideas in our classroom for our expectations for, let's just say walking in the hall. Mm-hmm. So in your small group, I want you to write five or six things that you think are going to be important for us to be able to do when we're walking the hall. And by the time they're in fifth grade, they know all the right answers sure. and they're throwing them all out there. And you said, okay, I need to collect those. And then the next day at your meeting, you know, as your class meeting or whatever, you're saying, oh, I just read these all last night. Here are the five that came up most. And you as a teacher can kind of mm-hmm. guide yeah, those can, the way yeah, you want to. Sure. And they're like, yep, I wrote that. Yeah, I wrote that. And they're like, oh, oh that's yeah. a new one, you know. And then after you say, gosh, these are great. Is this something that you think we all can do? And they're like, yeah, yeah. And then we sign it and it's done. Right. And then that's what you have as your reinforcer. And it wasn't just rules that you imposed on them right away. Right. It's rules 
that they that feel, they actually, expectations that they feel that they made for themselves. That's fantastic. Yeah. Wow. I mean, so you immediately get their buy-in if their ideas mm-hmm. that they came up with yep. and they they can they recognize or they can identify with. Yep. So rather than dictating, which just never seems to work, yep. you know, I still go to workplaces where um, it's kind of an old school approach to management, perhaps. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe not. I mean, people, I'm sure people that are good leaders have known all along how this works, but there, there, there tended to be quite a bit of dictating in the old management style. This is how it's going to be. This mm-hmm. is what I expect. No negotiation, you know, no the same variability is true for education. That's the way it's our old school education. Yeah, you know? I remember. Um, I remember, I mean, I, at one point I would love to hear maybe in a moment or two, you can talk about any tools or resources that have you, you've found incredibly valuable I usually do a segment in this podcast with my safety professionals. You know, I, I call it, I can't live without, you know, because it's something that they use, a resource, a tool, an app or something that they they really depend on and get a lot of value out. And I, I was thinking about that this morning, about asking you that question, if there was something like that in your world that you can't live without as a teacher. I remember when I was in school um, at Hillside Elementary, I don't know if you know Hillside Elementary over there by Creighton Prep, I went to school over there, the most important tool that the teachers had at their disposal then was a yardstick that they used mm-hmm. to hit us with, mm-hmm. you know, take you out into the hall and smack the yardstick over your butt or something, you know. I mean, I remember those days and, and uh, you know, I suppose that was probably something that should have uh, passed, you know, but uh, it made an impression, but I'm not, I'm just no. not sure that's. I'll, I'll tell you what, Doug, I, <laughs> what I've learned very quickly these past few months is I can't live without human contact. Trying to teach remotely has been incredibly hard because here I am, this this teacher that believes in relationships. Mm -hmm. Um, Building relationships over a Zoom call is not what I love and it's not ideal. So for me, I need that human contact and being able to see face to face Mm -hmm. because that's what's important when you're building those relationships. I, I couldn't agree more. And I was going to ask you that. You know, I know that we're not quite sure what school is going to look like not going at forward all. this fall. Yeah. And, you know, my wife, I hear from her quite often, you know, things that are being discussed and options that are being presented. And But again, we don't know what that's going to be yet. And And I would think that that would be the most difficult part of virtual education is just no contact, no mm-hmm. actual relationship, you know? And how do you get those students? And for me, I I envision, okay, so what if I do have to start the school year mm-hmm. remotely? Right. How on earth am I going to build relationships remotely? And believe right. me, that's already been planning through my head. What right. can I do? What can I do? Because that's how I get my kids hooked in. And right. that's how I get learning to just to, to skyrocket. Mm-hmm. And, and without so you're that. you're going to be behind the curve if you have to start. Well, remotely. I would hope not. But yes, that's that's, that's the only way I see it. Yeah. And that was kind of how this came up. So the whole when I when I um, mentioned to my wife that I wanted to ask you to be a guest on the on the podcast, um, I said, man, she had been talking about you uh, at the end of the year when everything was virtual, when you know we we left the school buildings and we did you know the last few months were just virtual train education. I guess I should say, you know, my wife as a, as a reading specialist did not have a class necessarily she would actually just visit other mm-hmm. classes virtually she would speak with some of her students in different classes she came to ours she yep. came to yours and that's how we got had this conversation she said 
Jackie's class is remarkable because, you know, she's engaging them. They're having fun. Everybody's in a good mood. And then when it's time to get down to business, then they all get in line and get down to business. And she's, and I said, I said, that, that is the skill that I'm interested in because um, that, you know, that really applies to the work environment. You know, we can have fun at work. We can, you know, have a light, you know, um, attitude and approach to our work, but we also have to get product out the door or get work accomplished. And so. And in the um, classroom, it's the same thing. The kiddos need to know that I care about you. I like to have fun. We're going to do these things. But when you see me put on my face that mean let's get down to business, you know it's time for us to, no right. nonsense, we got some work to do. Right. And we're going to do that together. Right. Um, because they, they can differentiate. This is the time we're having fun. This mm. is the time we're going to work. And you, know? you, you have established what that looks like. Yeah. You make that clear too. That comes all in that trust again too. Mm-hmm. It's so important that I trust them mm-hmm. and they trust me. Right. You know, it's yeah. that relationship that you systematically build when you get to know that student. Right. So um, they still understand the hierarchy. You are the teacher. They are the student. I mean, even though we are, we are, we have relationships, it doesn't mean that that hierarchy doesn't exist. And mm-hmm. so that, I mean, that must be really subtle. Yeah. Well, so and that my, they understand that. my children would tell you that I still get a little bit from my mother and uh, we used to call it in my family, that good old Catholic guilt, oh, you know, when something didn't right. go the way it was, you do the old... I'm so disappointed in you, you know, and there is nothing worse in my life than disappointing my mother, you know, and I think I use a little bit of that in my classroom too. Mm -hmm. The kids don't want to disappoint me. Good. And they don't want, and not only do they want that to happen to themselves, they don't want their classmates to disappoint me. They feel like together as a, as a, again, a school family that we should continue to grow and do good things. That's fantastic. And so, um, in, a, in a work environment, uh, one of the things that we talk about when we talk about workplace safety and, and the culture of safety, working safely, it becomes a habit. It's not something that you have to constantly revisit and reinforce. We want employees to understand the importance of working safely and to embrace working safely. In an ideal setting, you know, the employees are looking out for each other. Absolutely. You know, kind of this peer pressure That's exactly thing that, that I was you have say, alluded yes. to. Yeah. Uh, with with the students kind of almost not pressuring, but kind of holding each other in check to some degree. And I think in the classroom, one of the things that I do, Doug, is sometimes when things are running smoothly, we take it for granted. Mm-hmm. So I think every once in a while, you need to stop as the leader of those people and say, oh my gosh, we are doing these things great. I need to acknowledge that again. Mm-hmm. You know, not just always assume things are running mm-hmm. smoothly, but taking a break and saying, hey, we are doing this so well. I'm so proud of you guys, wow. you know? Yeah. And I think in a workplace, that would work the same thing. Absolutely. You, if you're talking about workplace safety and they're doing everything they need to be doing, don't just assume that that's always going to be doing going smoothly. Right. Stop and acknowledge that. And so you do that. So absolutely. you're conscious of that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's remarkable too, because I think you're right. In, in, in my world, in the safety world, one of our biggest um, challenges is complacency. You know, and things are going smoothly. I mean, complacency by definition is almost just self-satisfaction. You know, everything's good. I've got this under control. And and then something sneaks up on you or, you know, something unexpected, whatever the case might be. But complacency is the enemy oftentimes. And so to, to intentionally revisit that, I think is brilliant. Yeah. 
Because and you revisit it if something goes wrong, obviously, well, absolutely. right? Absolutely, right. But you need to recognize it when it's going right. I mean, I can just picture like we go out for a fire drill and they did exactly what we had practiced, mm -hmm. exactly what I planned. Coming back in, instead of getting right back to business, talking through that with them and saying, what went so well? Why did this right. go so well? And just having them revisit what was it that we were supposed to do? And yep, this is what we did. Um, and just acknowledging that for them. Mm -hmm. That's that's really fantastic. And, and, you know, somehow I might have to compile all this information into some kind of a one page cheat sheet to distribute to all my clients, because, <laughs> I mean, these concepts are they're exactly what takes place in a work environment. I mean, this whole thing, I mean, just like teaching, just like parenting, just like managing, you know, workplace, they are all the same thing where, you know, when you interact with human beings, we all want the same. We want to feel safe. We want trust in, in relationships. I think, you know, those things, all, they are all so parallel that it's almost eerie when yeah. we talk about it because yeah. everything that you're describing, I see in my clients' workplaces yeah. or would like to see, I should say. Yeah. And you continue on with that. You want your students, your employees, whatever, to continue to learn and grow and not just to become stagnant and mm -hmm. complacent with the where they mm -hmm. at, you know, you want them to feel valued. And I continually, I, my daughter was talking about, she teaches swim lessons, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And she was talking about one of the moms was telling her little, my four-year-old, maybe everything when she, the, she was having a meltdown because this was hard and everything. And she kept, she goes, the mom would get right in that little girl's face and she would tell her, you are strong and you can do hard things. And they would just repeat that together. And I'm like, dang, I'm using that in my classroom right. because right. my kiddos need to know. So they have their little mantra are, that they yes, get them back on focus. Yes, what a great mantra. Yeah. You can do hard things. That's cool. Tell about that your employees. You right. can do, I'm expecting a little more right. out of you because I know you can do hard right. things. Um, right. One of the things that I've started since your boys mm -hmm. have been in my mm -hmm. class that I wish they would have been there for is, um, you know, the whole Google 20% time that they started where their employees get 20% of their time to work on something that's their choice and their passion and everything. Mm -hmm. Well, educators just kind of have, we've moved that into our classroom and we call it genius hour. Okay. So once a week in our classroom, we set aside all academics and I give them an hour of their time to develop what their passion is. Really? And this has been honestly, Doug, one of my favorite things mm -hmm. in my classroom. It's gone everything from, Oh, I had one little girl start a food drive to help the Omaha Food Bank. I had mm -hmm. one boy try to invent a different type of umbrella that would keep his ankles um, dry when it rains. Um, I had them, you know, developing a new type of hockey helmet that would help mm -hmm. them. And it's they take their passion and, and you as the teacher are their guide. You help mm -hmm. them to research, to understand. But then what's their guiding question that's going to right. then in turn help other people in the world because that's where you kind of keep going whatever your passion is how are you going to use that to help other people in wow. the world and that's where you teach them how to be the leaders so we mm -hmm. usually do a couple sessions of this and it usually goes for about 12 weeks or so they research they develop mm -hmm. and then at the end they have to present to the class and they their presentations have to show what they've learned and how it can help other mm -hmm. people as well and 
talk about empowering, Mm -hmm. talking about making leaders. And again, they're not all going up there and presenting something, you know, in a speech form. Mm -hmm. Some of them have made a little iMovie or a clips or a PowerPoint where they don't even talk, you know, or just bringing out their models that they've created and answering questions about them and and seeing these students turn into leaders about their passion and recognizing their passion has been such something that I've been so proud of. I'm amazed by that. I've not heard that before. Tanya hasn't mentioned that, but that's sounds fantastic. And how long have you guys been doing that now? I've probably been doing it. Is this something that is done in all classrooms or is it just something that you're doing or just a few of you Uh, are doing? Probably in the past, probably five years I've been doing this. Wow. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. And I'm, as you're speaking, I'm, I'm envisioning how that, what that might look like in a work environment. And I think there are always, I think one of the, you know, one of the greatest resources we have when we're looking at ways to improve processes or you know, improve safety performance or something in a workplace is that, you know, the employees themselves tell me how we can do better. And and that would lend itself to what you've just described. If you, if you gave employees an hour a week or whatever that might, whatever that time frame is just to work on how can we improve our process? I mean, you would come up with some remarkable things, I'm sure. Absolutely. That's really again, a great idea. Valuing their opinion. Right. Because that's so that's important. That's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, I'll bet they're coming up with some great stuff. Yeah, and there's stuff that I just shake my head and say, oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> right. But, you know. You know, hey, you know it's, it's important to them, uh-huh, obviously. Uh-huh. And, and in the world of TikTok dances, you know, they're, they're bringing those uh-huh. out there, too. Mm-hmm. As I've heard, I've just uh-huh. actually really just recently been introduced to the TikTok uh-huh. world, but it sounds fantastic. Yeah. Well, so... Um, I know you're a baseball fan. Huge, sad, sad. It's just my life feels empty right now without yeah, it. I know. Yeah. You're a Cardinals fan. A huge Cardinals fan. When I mentioned to my boys that we would, we're going to be speaking, uh, they both mentioned that. Well, she's a Cardinals fan. Uh-huh. And so that's probably part of, you know, I'm sure that's something that you talk about with your students, and that's part of making you your humanity. Absolutely. You know, giving them something. Oh, Mrs. Palachek is a baseball fan. Something about you. I mean, I don't. I don't think we're all comfortable sharing everything about our personal lives. But I do think if you are interested in relationships with your workers, with your students, whomever, with your coworkers, you know, there there needs to be that human element to yeah. it. Yeah, I love that because the fact that, gosh, how many years have your boys been out of my classroom and they still both remember that and they know mm-hmm. that because. Oh, it's forever will be a rule. If the Cardinals win the World Series that year, there's no homework for a week. You know, that's always been my rule. So I've nice. luckily been able to do that a couple times in my yes, career you here. Yeah, you know, would, would love years. to do it a couple more, but we'll see. Um, just letting them know that you are passionate about things. And that right. same thing goes for when the kiddos develop what they want to do for their genius mm-hmm. hour. I let them know these are my passions. Mm-hmm. This is what I would like to do during my free time. And, and right. of course, during that genius hour at school, I'm not working on my stuff. I'm milling around right. guiding Helping them, them. Sure. but letting them know this is where I would take it. And this is what mm-hmm. I do on my free time is exactly. They need to know that I'm passionate about. I'm passionate about baseball. I'm passionate about photography. I'm passionate about reading, you know, my passion about right. gardening. Those are my things that I love. And here's how I do it. I'm also passionate about, I let them know some of the, my things I'm passionate about. Some things I think are the injustices in our world, mm-hmm. you know, and I let them know I am passionate about refugees. Mm-hmm. I am mm-hmm. passionate about helping, you know, socially disadvantaged people. Right. Um, those are things that I want them to right. know that I do things outside of right. school to, to better myself as a person. Right. And, and important subjects. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, we all have interests that, and, and, you know, I'm not suggesting that 
an interest in baseball is not important, but an an interest in social justice or yes. you know um, well being of other humans. Those mm-hmm. are. And as a teacher, doing important. that without getting politically charged is right. so important. I yes. mean, it's a must, but right. it's not taboo. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. It's fantastic. Um, I, I'm going to have to go. I don't usually listen to my podcast episodes after they've been <laughs> recorded. I'm going to have to go back and write all this stuff down. At, at some point, what, what are your plans in retirement, are you yeah, so nearing retirement? My husband just retired this year. Did he? he oh, did. Fantastic. He did. Good um, for him. Um, technically, I have three years left. I think before okay. um, I would retire, and then after that, I don't know where it's going to take mm-hmm. me. You know, and I. I you, you should. I mean, uh, I have a friend, Aaron Cerrone, who's he's a businessman in town here. He teaches uh, over at UNO. He teaches leadership at UNO in the business department. Um, the three of us, we should just start a leadership training company. I mean, the concepts that you've shared today, uh, the stuff that he talks about, he very similar to what you're describing. Um, I guess I really, I really don't have a role in this now yeah. that I think about it, but um, other than the safety you side that, of it. But it's funny because a lot of teachers that I know that, that do retire go into like a human resources or mm-hmm. a people and culture type of thing for Absolutely. companies because we're so used to training people to do things that we want them to do. Right. So oh, that's yeah. just a natural fit for us in the business world. You I know, so. I can train these employees to let them know. And by developing that trust, that relationship and those leadership right. skills, that's exactly what we would do with them. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that sounds fantastic. We'll have to we'll revisit this in a few years. And if my children are listening, I also in retirement would like to be a grandma and babysit grandchildren <laughs> right, sometimes. Uh-huh. Oh my God. Yeah, uh-huh. My wife is, is singing that same uh-huh. tune. So are, do you have mar- married children yet? Or? I, one married. Okay. Yeah. She, okay. Um, she and her husband live here in town. Oh, nice. They've been married for two years. And then my middle son just started his first real big boy job in Kansas City. He's an architectural him. engineer down oh, there. Oh my gosh, really? Yeah, so got two off the payroll now. Fantastic. And then our youngest daughter is at Hastings College. Um, I have so a lot of sophomore uh, there. Hastings alumni in my family. Yeah, oh, it's a great school. Great We've been school. so impressed with Hastings. Yeah, it's the Harvard of the Midwest. Yeah, my exactly. Bro- my brother yeah. tells me all the time. When we're <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Good for yeah. you. So yeah. yeah, grandchildren would be nice. I know that my wife says that same. Now, my sons are 22 and 20, so we're not quite ready for grandchildren. Mm-hmm. Uh, neither is married, so you know we would prefer that be the route. Although I'm not judging any, you know. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Um, so we'll give it a few years, but I know that she uh, grandchildren are high on her list as well. Yep. If we do have the opportunity to retire at some point or not, yeah. whatever that might be. Yeah. And I know that my boys will stop in and check in on you once in a while when they're back in town. My favorite thing ever. They, and it's not just your you boys. You probably have a lot of students come back yeah, and visit you. Any of my Palachik kiddos, when they come back and I can hear about what they're doing in life, it's just right. you feel a sense of pride in it because you feel a part of that. Absolutely. And oh, I don't, sure. I mean, sometimes I do get emotional mm-hmm. seeing what, what these kids, these great things that they're Remarkable doing. Stuff. Yeah. And watch them grow up, you and know? to know that you had some part in that Absolutely. is really powerful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I don't take any of the credit for the amazing things that they do, but well, you just feel you were part of that stepping mm-hmm. stone that kept them going on the right path, you hope. Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah. I, I bet that is incredibly moving to have them have, uh, take the time to come back mm-hmm. and check in with you. Yeah. That's really cool. Um, well, I know we don't know what school is going to look like this fall. I hope whatever it turns out to be, I hope you have a great 
Great. Thanks. Do you call them semesters in elementary school? Would it be a well, semester? Well, we have semesters, but it's a school year. I mean, year. whatever it is, here's what I marvel at teachers. And it, this happened, what, middle of March this year. Mm-hmm. We were given basically one day's notice. Right. We're stopping school the way we know it, and this is the way you're going to do starting next right. week. And it's like, and as I watched my colleagues, I was I marveled at how flexible, how readily they were mm-hmm. to find out what they needed to, to become the best remote teacher that they needed to. Right. So I think whatever happens come August, I can guarantee you the people that I work with, we're going to work our tails off to make sure whatever situation we're given right. becomes the best situation for those students, right. however it be. Yeah, I don't doubt that for a minute. Yeah. Yeah, I, all the teachers that I know through my association with, well, my boys' education and through through my wife and the teachers that are you know friends of hers are just remarkable. And so I don't doubt that for a minute. I hope uh, that we are able to get back into the classroom because much like you, I believe that that face-to-face contact is so incredibly important, but we will do the best we can regardless. Um, we're doing virtual training in the safety world. I mean, you can't stop doing this yeah, stuff because absolutely. of the current circumstances. We need to continue doing it to the best of our ability. And, you know, you are responsible for these young minds. And, and we as safety folks are responsible for the well-being of our employees. And so we continue to do that however we can or however mm-hmm. we're forced to. But I'd love to see kids back in the classroom. Me too. And I, would love I to second see, it. I would love to see my son, who's been in my house since March, uh, you know, he came home for spring break and uh, has not left. And I love him as if he was my own. I, and I believe he is. Um, but I would love to see him go back to school. Yeah. I mean, he, I, you know, just interact with his buddies and be on campus and do those things. And so I'm really hopeful that yeah. we get back to some semblance of normality here. But um, Jackie, thank you so much. Absolutely. I mean, it was thank in- you. incredible. I, I, uh, first of all, your voice is incredibly powerful. Am I right, Pat? Yeah, it is. I mean, <laughs> very te- you can tell you're a teacher. She was blasting, but I mean, you know, I, she may have hit decibels higher than me. I, I'm not even, which is <laughs> remarkable. No, no, that was great because normally Pat's like trying to get people to talk up, speak louder. You know, I've got, I never have that problem with you though. I've got guests that you just, come on, give me more, you know? <laughs> right. No, and uh, sometimes great. he's over there going, no, I'm not going to be able to I'm sure he's this. over there. Okay, Jackie, you can stop talking now. That's <laughs> oh, enough no, on that one. No, no, no. I mean, the awesome. information that you shared was incredible. Well, can you tell it's passionate? It's the thing I'm passionate about I can there. feel, yes, absolutely. And, and that, I mean, that's so important to doing what we, anything that we do well is, Having a passion for it. Yeah. So. My, my favorite quote, I have an Albert Einstein quote on my wall, and I just love that man. And he mm. said, I am just, if I'm nothing else, I'm passionately curious. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what I am. I, I'm right. passionately curious about making myself better, about making my classroom mm-hmm. better, about, oh, there's so many topics that I just want to learn constantly about. So Are we still recording? Okay, good. Because I yeah. just wanted to add to that. I, you know, no, I, I totally agree with that. And I don't know if my boys got this from you, but both of my boys are intellectually curious. They are, they are. always reading and learning and whatever that is. Hey, can we just remind Kent, too, that I think when he <laughs> makes his, it's like when he makes his first billion, he's uh-huh. going to buy me a Porsche. I have that okay. in writing, I think. That agreement so with him? I do have that in writing oh, from him God, somewhere. I hope, he, I hope you have a Porsche coming uh-huh. in. Uh-huh. I would love that. I, I would be willing. I would be. <laughs> I'm not going to get made, anywhere else. So. I would be thrilled if he made his first hundred dollars. I don't. 
you know, this guy, you know, he can't get on, he climbs and snowboards and hikes and does all those things. He loves the outdoors. And I'm hoping that he can parlay that into some mm-hmm. type of a living at some point. But thanks again for being with me. I want to, you know, Jackie, uh, fantastic. And, and we're going to post this probably next week. Um, I'm going to send it out to everyone I know. I think there's so much to be learned from what you just described and shared with us uh, as far as leadership and, and you know, in the workplace. Mm-hmm. It's just the parallels are just uncanny to me. So well, I hope I can help. I was way. really excited about yeah. that. I do want to thank my sponsors, CCS Group. Thanks again, Cheyenne. I appreciate your support. Safety Reports, Steve Polich and the folks over at Safety Reports. Thank you, Steve. Um I hope that everybody concludes their week on a great note. It's been a good week. Um, I hope next week is just as good. So thanks, guys, for listening, and I'll be back in touch next week. A Parkville Media Production.